I would invite you to stand in body or in spirit as we come before God's Word. We're looking at the Psalms in Advent, preparing for the coming of Christ. Last week we looked at Psalm 80, inviting us to cry out and call for God's presence in the midst of our difficulties. Today in Psalm 85, we're reminded to get a vision of the world that God has in mind. So if you'll uh, join me, we'll come before uh, God's word uh, reciting what Jesus called uh, the Shema and then, of course, later made the basis of the great commandment. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Had. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your soul, with all your strength, love your neighbor as yourself. This is the end of the 85th Psalm that we've been in, uh, one of the most beautiful uh, uh, poems in the Older Testament. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth and righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good and our land will yield its harvest Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. I've heard it said that you learn by doing, and and I agree with that. But I would like to add this morning the thought that you also learn by watching. I think about how our children learn so much uh, as, as they grow up in our house and they learn by watching us. But the learning doesn't stop when we're children. Even as adults, we learn uh, by watching. Uh, this past fall, we had the occasion to have our um, washing machine uh, stop functioning at one moment. And then a little bit later, we unplugged and moved our refrigerator, plugged it back in, and it quit working. Now, in the old days, we would have gotten on the phone and called somebody to come and uh, see what was wrong and repair it. But you probably know what we did in, uh, this fall. That is, first thing we did is went to YouTube and typed in what was wrong. And sure enough, both times a video came up. And by watching the video, we were able to reset our refrigerator. And by watching the video, we were able to reset the washer as well. And they both started working. Uh, a few years ago, my wife uh, learned to knit. And I would say that she taught herself to knit, except that's not really what happened. She typed it in on YouTube. And a video came up, and I remember sitting at the kitchen table, and she's a little bit away from me in a chair. And over and over, I hear this um, British woman's lovely voice repeating the same thing to her as she replayed it over and over and over, and learned to net. Often in our world, we learn by watching. Now, I mention that because as best as we can tell historically, here's the setting for Psalm 85. Things are really bad. Uh, basically, the people have been enslaved to the Babylonians ever since the fall of Solomon's temple. But suddenly the Persians have said they can go back home to Jerusalem. And they go back home to Jerusalem, and it's a mess. The temple is in tatters. The walls around the city have been torn down. And people don't remember how God wants them to live. So interestingly, what God does in Psalm 85 is God shows them a video. God gives them a picture, and it's one of the most beautiful pictures in the Bible. God says that love and faithfulness will meet, and righteousness and peace will kiss each other. He's showing them a picture, and he's showing them a picture of how things operate in heaven. And the psalmist, um, God through the psalmist, believes that they can get a picture of how things operate in heaven. They'll be able to translate it and be able to live it out on 
earth. And so you get a picture of four amazing characteristics of God. God's love in the, in the word in Hebrew means steadfast, unconditional love. It's a love that's not going to leave you. God's faithfulness, which has to do with keeping the promises made to us. Uh, God's righteousness, which is a, a word that also means uh, doing what is fair, doing what is just, giving everyone a chance to have the life God intends for them. And finally, peace, which is just a way of saying everything working in harmony perfectly together as God intends. And they get that picture. And the belief in the Bible is if you can see it, you can do it. And I believe this is the picture we see in the New Testament. Paul says something which used to uh, come across to me as arrogant, but now I understand it. Paul wrote in one of his lesser, less, uh, letters, I want you to imitate me as I imitate Christ. And I thought, well, that, you're pretty proud of yourself there, Paul. But that's basically how it works. You can learn to do by watching me. And that's the whole deal with Jesus. How did Jesus spread his gospel? Not by social media, not by uh, the power of the press or even town criers. Jesus chose 12 people and said, I want you to watch. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they followed him. And the understanding was, if you can see it, you can do it. And so what we have here this morning is a picture of how life works in heaven. And the idea is if we get an idea of how God operates and how things are done, we can pull it off here on earth. Now, that may raise a couple of questions. The first one is, well, where do you see it? I mean, how do we get a picture of how God operates? Well, let me just tell you that by doing what you're doing this morning, you're getting a pretty good picture. When we come to worship and, and hear the story and listen to the words and listen to the music this Sunday and, and next Sunday, uh, the picture of God's values and how heaven works and the story of Jesus coming to the earth is told again. And the idea is if that story can sink into us, then it can sink in through our ears and eyes and come out through our hands and feet and our mouths as we live with other people. Uh, even the ancients who weren't uh, biblical people uh, figured this out. Aristotle, certainly not a Christian nor a Jew. Aristotle, three centuries before Jesus, said that the way you become a good person is by following a good person around. If we can watch, if we can see, we can do. And by being here, by praying together, by reading the scripture, by listening the story, you are seeing, and the belief that God has in us is that by seeing, we can do. Now, you might uh, object, well, what about those who can't see or, or won't see, those who aren't coming into a church to hear the Christmas story, or they'll never pick up a Bible and read the Christmas story, and maybe they're not even going to watch Hallmark specials on TV. How will they get the story? Well, there's not an app for that. But God has a plan for that, and it comes at the end when we're told that the righteousness of God, in other words, when we live the way God lives, it will prepare for God's steps on earth. In other words, how heaven gets translated to people who aren't ordinarily gazing up to heaven is by looking at you. When they see you, they see the story. When they see you, they see the values. When they see you, they hear the music. That's being sung. And that is how people who ordinarily can't or won't see get a chance to see. Early church really believed this. There was an early church leader named Origen about 200 years after Jesus. And he told the followers this. He said, all of you are on a stage. 
When you follow Jesus, you're on a stage and everybody's watching you because by looking at you, they see what Jesus is like. Now, literally, they were on a stage because many of them, Rome or Ephesus or Carthage, were actually rounded up because they were Christians, brought to the arena and fed to the lions or put in as sport for the gladiators to warm up for their fights. And they were run through. And he was basically telling them the way that you stand in front of that arena And your darkest hour will teach them about Christ. But not everyone faced that kind of persecution. Others were just excluded from the economy. They couldn't vote. They couldn't hold office. And he was trying to tell them, when people exclude you and leave you out, and when they go against your values, the way you live in front of them will show them heaven. The way you live in front of them will give them a picture of Jesus. And it wasn't just Origen who believed that. Church leader after church leader in the first few centuries echoes the same theme. One of my favorites comes from a guy named Cyprian. Again, he's about 220 years after Jesus. And this is what he said. He said, we are not philosophers with words. We are philosophers with deeds. And then he said, I think maybe one of the most amazing sentences in all of church history said, we do not speak of great things. We live them. We do not speak of great things. We live them. How are people to get that uh, fleeting glance of heaven if they don't come in to worship to see it? They see it in you. You know, my grandparents told me this, and I just kind of blew it off because, well, quite frankly, they were old. Like I am. They would say, honey, you may be the only Bible that some person reads. I thought it was trite, and I thought it was silly, and now I realize it's biblical. That people, their only glimpse of heaven may be the glimpse they get of you. But then I have another objection because I think, well, I know me and I know I'm not always living heaven's values. I'm um, One of the ways that, and you can see it in a poem we put in the bulletin this morning, one of the ways that the church has often talked about bringing heaven to earth is like we were like a mirror reflecting God's glory on this earth. And I always think of my mirror as like a little bit smudged. All right, that's too generous. I always think of my mirror as cracked. Because I know how I can be, sometimes how I am. But see, that's the problem. I've got the mirror turned in the wrong direction. Reminds me of of my wife has one of those magnifying mirrors. Uh, I guess for makeup, but for me it's because I'm in trouble. And usually when I'm sent to the magnifying mirror, it's because one of two things. There's a hair growing out someplace that shouldn't be growing on my face. Or there's something on my lips that hasn't been wiped off. And when I look at it, I I see the problem, but I see so much more. I, I see some of the aging. I see the rosacea. And I think, and I get discouraged. That's because it's turned the wrong direction. The right direction is that our our mirror should be aimed toward heaven and toward God in prayer and scripture and story, and we focus on that and sit and bask in the light of God's love and let it do our work. There's an ancient, ancient story about a man who spent so much time with God that you could actually see it in him in the 5th century. His name was Anthony. Anthony got so famous for his wisdom. He lived on top of a mountain and just spent all his time praying and being with God that people would make journeys just to ask him questions. And three men in particular came every year, every year, every year. Two of them would ask questions and one never said a word. After years of this, the three men started to walk off back down the mountain again and, and Anthony finally said to the one that never asked the question, Son, son. What is it, my father? He said, why is it that you never ask a question? 
And the answer that he gave Father Anthony was, it is simply enough to sit in your presence. You soak up enough God, and whether you're trying or not, you reflect it. And then everywhere you go, even with your imperfections, the light of God begins to be reflected. Remember Robert Fulgham's Everything I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten years ago? He tells in it the story of a guy that grew up in Greece in World War II, and and they were poor, and the country was war-torn. There was no toys to play with. But one day he found a broken side-view mirror off a jeep. And he began to use that mirror as a toy. And what he would do, he would shine it, uh, hold it up to the sun and reflect the sun's light. And soon he would try to reflect the sun's light around corners and then down alleys and even toward the bottoms of deep holes. Every place it was dark, he would try to reflect light. And as he grew up, this man, Alex, said, I had no idea when I was eight years old that that would become a metaphor for my life, trying to reflect the light of God into all the dark places. That's how God intends that heaven might be viewed from earth. In a moment when you leave here this morning, I'm going to invite you, if you want to make that commitment to trying to live that kind of life, that you just light a candle that will be close to you as a way of saying, I'm not perfect, I might be cracked or smudged, but I want to take this light. I'm going to give people a view of heaven.